Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DustorProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. I'm joined today. We have Birdie. Hello. We're getting that third chair eventually, I swear. And if you hear odd clinging, clanging, or hooting and hollering on my end, uh, I apologize for that. One of my roommates has a girlfriend over, and they are and they are spending all of their time in the living room directly outside my fucking door. Are they fucking? Is that why they're making noise? Or No, they just hang out and do whatever, even though his room is big enough for both of them and upstairs. I see. Like, he is constantly sleeping down here. So I have to walk out with all the lights off, not see where I am, maybe step on his cat. And I can't pace throughout the fucking living room anymore because she's always there and I can't pace when people are watching me. These are my problems, not yours, folks at home. Sorry about that. But we're here to talk about stuff. Yay. I watched a thing. A thing that is recent. Good for you. That's something I haven't done in a bit. And actually, it is the last thing I talked about that was recent that I watched. Which is, I caught up on Darling in the Franks. Okay. Yeah, I'm digging this. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that my initial bad impressions on it were not were not representative of where it ultimately goes, although from what I've seen of where it goes, it's a little bit generic. Yeah, kind of. Uh the main the main kind of thrust for me in terms of like what I actually like about it is showing Showing, like, a weird natural version, a weird, like, natural child development in this horribly unnatural place because, because, like, for every, like, we get, we get, the, we get, uh, like, we get shown in the show that the characters we're focusing on and the way they are kind of raised in the society is not normal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, in Darling of the Franks, Earth is fucked because a bunch of robots are eating all the lava. And humanity survives in titties. Yep. And th- and children are put in the nipples of those titties until they need them to until they need them to go into into giant fuck powered robots. And what is and what is baffling about that is that that entire sentence we just said was only slightly exaggerated. <laughs> Yeah, or how the 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 mechs that defend the world from the impending threat, which is these things called claxosaurs, which only kind of look like living creatures. Yeah, like um, they move like living creatures, but they look in, but they look and are like designed after robots. Yeah, but the mechs that fight these claxosaurs are specifically designed. As two as two person piloting cockpits, specifically with the with the girl's ass shoved in the guy's dick area. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the girls become the robots. The implication, I, I mean, I'm going based on what I've seen of Zero One because I don't get a really good indication from any of the others based on the episodes I've seen. But the indi- implication seems to be. The animating force for the robots is the woman, the uh, the force that keeps it uh, humanoid is the male one. 
Actually, that's the thing. It's only a zero two, like the main horn lady, whose robot has a secondary form. Yeah. Everyone else's robot is, it looks like a person, but doesn't have a face. Then they plug in, and if they sync right, then the robot gets a face. Yeah. And throughout and throughout the ten episodes that are out now, um, whenever they're in combat and talking, the guys talk, and they're talking over radios. The girls talk, and it's the robots that are talking. And whenever they do, like, whenever they, they occasionally will have, like, the little, like, window pop-up, so it's, like, showing, like, the inside of a cockpit doing, like, really tight face shots for these guys when they're doing, like, comms over stuff. With the guys, it is the guys in the cockpit. With the girls, it is still the robot faces. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, as soon as they plug in, the girls just, like, lose physical connection to their body and just become the robots. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, it's slightly different than what I'm suggesting. Aside from the beast form, it seems to be still that the force that animates the robots is the female, but the male ultimately controls it. Yeah, something like that. It's it's odd. Well, it's trigger, so it was always going yeah. To be I know, odd, I know. But, but I assumed a one would do some level of reining them in. Which actually, know. to be fair, they have like this. A lot of this, uh, a lot of the series outside of like the giant robots and the fucking fighting and shit, that all feels very a one to me. But yeah, but that might also be a problem I have with it, that outside of Trigger's ridiculous robot stuff, the rest of it feels like a kind of bland sex comedy. <laughs> Actually, that's what I that's what I did want to talk about. Uh the the actual like sex part of it is something I actually do find interesting because every other because we, we I've, about uh, four episodes in, we meet another group of kids. It is another squad like the ones we've been following, but Wholly different because that squad, all their robots look exactly the same. All the kids have no personality. None of the kids have any names and they're all just kind of emotionless fucking robots sent out to go just do murder for fucking techno pope. Whereas our kids have individual personalities and their robots all look different and have unique weapons. And because of fucking our main dude, everybody has names. Like, it's so weird to the point where Hero, our main guy, because fucking of course that's his name, to the point where he's apparently a legend among the other orphans. Just, like, everybody's like, oh, you hear about that one dude? He gave everybody, he gave people names. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and there seems to be, from what I can tell from script notes, an implication that his behavior is not really what the adults want, but they tolerate it because of what he can do. Yeah, he's some kind of special. Because, of course, he is. Yeah, yeah. there's been multiple times where they have cut away to some other part of the world, like either with fucking Techno-Pope and the Popettes, or the people who are like running the orphanage, or the people who are running the bird cage where the kids live, that this group of fucking kids, and specifically Hero aren't normal and they're specifically keeping them around to run experiments on them or I guess not to run experiments essentially their existence is the experiment and they are and they are monitoring this stuff to see what is actually going to happen for reasons we don't know yet all right yeah over the course of those 10 episodes uh, we have gotten some very light world building stuff um, and it has, and that's been, 
pretty generic. Just the implication is that Papa, the techno pope, and his cronies they began siphoning magma or magma energy. I'm not 100 sure if it's like actual facts, like molten rock, or if it is something they are just calling magma because it is the same color. Because like, because like they ever say they ever just say magma. They say magma energy. And like all their weapons are powered by magma energy, so are the so are the titties they live in, and so are their robots. So maybe they mean like geothermal energy. <laughs> maybe, but it seems maybe? like an, it seems like an actual physical thing. Okay, not hundred percent sure about that. Unless they're unless they're going the really stupid route of essentially the stupid thing they were talking about and. Crap like Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, where humanity has tapped into the life force of Earth, and now Earth is fighting back or some shit like that. They haven't gotten to that level yet. Uh, what, what the implication has been is that Papa and them, they start, they start like siphoning magma energy out of the world. Then the Klaxosaur showed up because they are drawn to magma energy. Okay. Yeah, either like magma energy wasn't really a thing, and Klaxosaur just kind of lived underground doing whatevs. Until people started like fucking draining it, or people started draining it, and then the class source showed up and was like, "Hey, fuck you guys." But yeah, then humanity abandoned the surface because that's what they do. Just things get tough. Oh, we're leaving because I guess building defenses against giant robots was more of a hassle than building giant roving breasts. Yeah. Yeah, like like I was, I keep getting off fucking track with this, but yeah, like these. So these kids, uh, it is they don't have concepts of interpersonal relationships, specifically because they were never taught about them. Like they have very general ideas, like hey, we're friends, we do this, we yeah, blah blah blah. They know what like family and stuff is, but they don't know what love or like physical attraction or sex or any of that shit is. Because they were never taught that, because why the fuck would you? Yeah. And so the series is so the series like is kind of half big old fuck off robots and then half these kids learning what relationships are. Which I find that weirdly fascinating. Okay. I'm liking this I'm I'm liking this very weird coming of age story. Where it is people coming of age in a world where people aren't supposed to come of age. And it may just be, and I, I'm not 100% sure why I am into it the way that I am. But I am finding it, I am finding it really charming. I'm liking all the characters so far. I have a feeling that one of them is going to be a rapist. Like, the, like there's a guy in there who is very much the Vegeta. And one of the characters who he's been interacting with more and more found a book about making babies. So given given these guys a kind of lack of fucking anything to do with relationships, I have a feeling like they gonna fuck. And it's probably not gonna be great. No, probably not. 
Especially because, especially as the girl who found the baby book is the guy who is the lady who has the partner who is a big fat weirdo. You know, like what these people think the target audience is, I guess. Yeah. The other way I see this going is that fucking Zero Two is just going to murder everyone. Well, I'm fairly convinced that she's probably going to at least rip the head off that other chick who wants to bang the man she's claimed. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe that act would be the one... Because, like, there seems to be the implication that she's way too close to being, like, the Klaxosaurus themselves, and since she can enter one of the robots, that might mean she's worse. So maybe anything that allows her to maintain her humanity will would be pressured anything that would make her act more bestial would be discouraged and thus something as bestial as just say gutting a chick who you think wants to fuck your man might push her over the edge i don't know yeah maybe um they haven't really gotten into that like uh in the second in the second episode uh, or third episode one of the early ones uh hero and that girl do kiss because here I, I like, saw a clip of this. And it, it was yeah, because here like, I was like, oh, our robot isn't working. Maybe we got a kiss. It worked my last robot. Let you know, flawless logic. Yeah. I think I saw this clip, and she asked, like, how you feel? And he, in his infinite stupidity, said, I don't know. I don't feel anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets all pissed. And then she gets all pissy and doesn't understand why. Yeah. And then her partner starts getting pissing. He doesn't understand why. Yeah. Until episode 10, which feels like the most throwaway episode kind of until like that subplot happens. It's just random encounter. Oh, we found a fucking Glaxor. Let's go fuck it up. Whoops. Buddy boy got trapped in. It's going to die. Hey, I love you, girl. And then, hey, I'm not dead. Yeah, I'm. This the show. This series is all right. It's nothing. It's nothing super special, but of this season, it's the one I'm watching. So, okay. Yeah. Anyway, back to old shit. I read the breaker again. <laughs> Talk about stuff. Did that just stop? Uh, season two stopped. Okay. Because... I was, yeah, okay, the Breaker... Yeah, the original series, the Breaker, technically concluded. And then they did that sequel series, and I remember that just drifting off. Uh, no, it did have an actual conclusion. Okay. Yeah, uh... Shiwoon fought, uh, Gumun Ryong and... Lost, kind of. Uh, he ended up being able to stop his plan, and... He, and it kind of resolved the story of, hey, he's been taking drugs that suppresses bad memories. Uh, bad guys got got. Uh, other bad guys, big fucking big evil bads that have been orchestrating everything. They are like, hey, our plans are fucking going into motion. Let's keep an eye on this one fucking weird asshole. Might be useful one day. And then... It, and then the evil guy from the first series shows up and says, hey, let me show you how to kick people good.
And then it stopped because because the writer because the writer and artist were like, so yeah, this got really out of hand, like a lot out of hand. Sort of like take a break. Check out Trinity Wonder coming soon. Yeah, whatever. But the reason I reread it was because I just found a thing from not too long ago saying that uh, saying that Trinity Wonder would be wrapping up within the next year, and that means that they will be able to get back to Breaker season three. Okay, well, if that happens, I'll start reading it again. <laughs> I still just like the breaker. No, I do too. I just gave up on it. No, it no, like I, it. I fully understand that. But like, if anybody out there is fine reading two thirds of a story, the breaker and the breaker new waves are both complete. Yeah, it, reading two thirds of a story with the hazy promise of a conclusion. <laughs> Yeah, within the next year or two. <laughs> we'll get it before the decade's out. They kind of promise. Which I understand. Like, I understand I, that... I were, like, here's the side of that, Dead Man. I started reading the original The Breaker in my first year of college. That was ten years ago. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Wow, man, it's Yeah, fuck. Like ten years for a three part story isn't unheard of in anime. No. But usually we have a third part by year like seven. It's like yeah. Christ. I mean, Black Lagoon disappeared for a few years, and I was still more certain that that was going to come back than the third part of The Breaker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been two years since fucking New Waves ended. Christ. Yeah, and like, New Waves was like two times the, like twice as big as fucking the original Breaker. Which, I guess, understandable, they were... And Jeff John's levels of convoluted. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, in, and apparently in this world, being good at karate means you can set people on fire by touching them. Because that is a thing that happens. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of old... Started reading Claymore. <laughs> well, that one's finished, so you can actually read it to its end. Although, yeah. as as someone who's read it to its end, you might not be satisfied. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of not. I'm kind of already not satisfied. Like I'm, I think like close to a hundred chapters in, and it's like berserk, but less interesting. Yeah, berserk, but less interesting, and also somehow less con- somehow confusing. <laughs> Like it, I feel like, from what I remember of the series, I feel like it lost the thread somewhere in the middle, and it couldn't figure out what it wanted to be about. <laughs> yeah, so far it's still, it's still pretty much where I am. It still knows what it's kind of doing. Like I, I know very much like the direction it's heading. At least right now, I do. Like I know what all the motivations, everything are. It's just very odd. Like yeah. okay, okay, so I just just check. I'm on chapter fifty two. 
And like a couple chapters earlier, we got the origin story for our main character when the series shifted focus to an entirely different character for no reason. Just like a story arc wrapped up that seemed to like naturally into the next one. But then all of a sudden it's fucking like 10 years pre 10 years prior or like a hundred years prior or however the fuck time works in this goddamn world. And we're learning about a totally different character. And then halfway through her story, we meet the main character of the fucking series. And then and in yet, the next, and yet believe it or not, um, the character we met at the beginning of the series will be what we ultimately end on at the end. Claire, then? Uh, who, who do we be at the beginning? Yeah, Claire, Claire was the last thing I, I remember from the ending. Yeah, all I know is that she's... All I know is she's the protagonist. Okay. She is the weakest yeah, of her organization, and thus she is the main character. And Yeah, and the... The fact that the narrative focus keeps shifting doesn't help with... The tone... Because I feel like each part of the story wants to tell a different story in this world. And that's, like you said, odd. (laughs) Yeah, of the first 50 chapters so far, the tone has been relatively consistent. It's just, it's dark fantasy, but less interesting. Yeah. Just it's like, hey, we got these European towns and then some shapeshifters show up and start fucking shit up. So we call in this evil lady, all of whom at all of whom in the beginning act exactly the same. Until we get like 30 chapters in, all of a sudden they have individual personalities and a ranking system and like fucking internal power struggles and shit. Yeah. Like the organization headquarters is like a cave that's inhabited by like hermit people. Yeah. Or something like the organization is so fucking weird. There doesn't seem to be any like overarching. There doesn't seem to be any like overarching like design to anything or any real. It doesn't feel like a real organization. It feels like a bunch of assholes, like weird, like frog dudes living in caves, sending people out to die. And then occasionally one of 12 people dressed in black will show up. All of them in different kinds of black, but still just black. And, like, have motivations or not. Yeah. What's the what's the writer of this, his name again? I can never remember. <sighs> Let me look that up. Da, 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 da. It is uh, Yagi Norihiro. Yeah. Um, you can tell me if you agree with this or not. I feel like the writer of this... Was what's weird is that this show, like the show, um, communicated this well too. Both the, the anime and the manga, despite having what's quite honestly somewhat bland character design, has a strangely engaging art style. I'll say less so for the manga. Yeah, well, because some of the weird lurid colors that kind of contrast against the all gray and white and, like, beige colors of the claymores 
adds a little something there that's not present in the original. Yeah, and that seems like a anime director thing. Yeah. Because the art itself is nothing terrible. Just every character is like half as expressive as you as you would expect, and all of them have like a really bad case of five head. Oh yeah, no. This no matter the hairstyle, you will have a gigantic forehead. <laughs> it is. They are massive. Like, I wonder if like part of the uh, transformation you go through when you become a claymore is your body, your your forehead. Requ- Gains like bang repelling magnets or something. It's just, yeah, your hairline recedes about three inches. Yeah, and pushes out to the right and left. Yeah, at all times it is it is claymore code. Like like the rules are claymores don't kill humans and claymores always part their hair. Yes. <sighs> but in terms of artwork, I will say that uh, the artist is uh, Naughty Hero is. Really fucking good at doing monsters. Yeah, no, that's, but like, like when he, like when he get, when he actually gets a chance to like make a full on for real unique monster, uh, they call them awakened ones. Yeah, and when he, when later, when you get towards the end, and the claymores have to start like confronting like the gods of these monsters, the things that are like ancient. Yeah, that's some cool designs that still stick with me, even though I ultimately didn't like the series. Yeah, like, some of these fucking monsters are, like, some fucking H.R. Giger shit. Yeah, very much so. And with a little dash of, um, with this series, I'm kind of Junji Ito occasionally. Yeah, a little not bit. His, not, not his obsession with spirals, obviously, but... <laughs> no, I will say, uh, one of the characters he's kind of met, uh, the first, the original first-ranked female, the original first-ranked female yeah. Claymore. Uh, was it Teresa? I don't fucking know, but she is. She does kind of feel like an Edo, like an Edo character. Yeah, if it's the character I'm thinking of, I can't all tentacles. Wrong. Yeah, uh huh. Looks like a small child. Yeah. Her man is like, what if Frank? What if like fucking Clayface? I don't know. Red. I don't fucking know. He he did like the weird spike shit. Yeah. Yeah, Claymore is... Reading it makes me want Berserk to update faster. Yeah, it... Okay, I I think the the sound you made sums up the word that I would use for Claymore. It's frustrating. Because there's stuff about it that you really like, and that just makes the stuff that's really not working, or it just seems strange more noticeable (laughs) yeah like this world works the monster designs i think work and that 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 stuff is cool but our main cast of characters so far have been they've been ranging from like from like non-offensive all rights to barely interesting or just like the fucking worst uh you got yeah, like this organization that doesn't that feels like incredibly slapdash. Like he put more thought into, like the like the writer put more thought into like history and like monster designs that he did into like actual. Okay, history of the world, not so much history, not so much like history and design of the organization. 
Because, again, yeah. a bunch of hermits all dressed in fucking to- totally different shit. Some of them dress really nice. Some of them looking like they're in fucking rags. Some of them looking like fucking drug dealers. Some of them being actual f- toads. And it's like, yes, we are the Claymore organization. Ah! <sighs> it is kind of frustrating. So, moving on to our now our everyone's fucking favorite feature, what East Sky series did read this week. Today, it's kind of a unique one because it is a is an East Sky story told from the told from the perspective of not the people who come to another world. Okay. So, I'm going to I'm going to butcher this title. Because my writing is atrocious. Uh, but uh, Chiyokishi Hans no Junin. So there's a guy named Hans. He lives in a fantasy world, like you do. He is a former soldier who is now just kind of living out in the countryside as just like a, re- as like a local knight. Like, he, like if some ruffians come through town, he routes them and sends them out. If somebody gets drunk, he deals with them. Otherwise, it's just kind of hanging out, talking to people, being the friendly local constable. Then a bunch of Japanese people with superpowers show up. And he has to deal with those fuckers. First guy who shows up is fucking pompadour, headband, open shirt, open chest, leather jacket. And he controls monsters. After that, shy little nerdy kid who ha- who can heal basically anything. After that, a Japanese girl who can, like, topple a mountain. After that, an elderly former Yakuza who can see anywhere in the world. As Hans' life gets more and more complicated as these people keep showing up. And him having to deal with them. Because they're all kind of assholes. Okay, half of them are assholes. I want to be fair. The old fucking Yakuza guy and young nerd child are actually pretty all right. But then you got fucking bike, biker dude with his giant pompadour. Somehow keeping that thing, somehow keeping that thing fucking perfect despite lacking hair gel and being in the humidity of being in the fucking mountains. And the girl who is the worst. Constantly screaming, constantly stealing people's food, constantly breaking everything. Screaming. Just kind of annoying. Yeah, so this here is just about Hans uh, getting the people in his village used to the fact that now basically demigods live among them. Having to deal with those fucking demigods being dicks to everybody. Usually usually unintentionally. Like the, like the people, like the guys when they show up, they they do like try to not be terrible. But sometimes the personality or their powers just kind of can't help it. Yeah, dealing with that shit and then also dealing with the fact that he does not want anybody to know that he is there because of backstory to deal with him, which I won't get super into because who really fucking cares? Yeah. 
yeah, the series is series is kind of all right. It's a very easy read. There's no like super dense plot going on. There is no like big overarching villain yet. There isn't really anything kind of driving things forward. It just kind of is a very laid back story where interesting kind of kind of interesting action beats happen every once in a while to keep things going. But for the most part, the series just kind of things are chill. Until somebody new shows up and everything gets thrown out of whack, then things kind of reset to chill a bit. And yeah, it's a very, it's a very relaxing, easy read. You're not, gonna, you're not getting into this for like fucking super intricate fucking conspiracy theories and whatever bullshit. Whenever they kind of do like begin getting plot, it's usually resolved pretty quickly because the people, because the Japanese people are just so overpowered in this world. Like these, like these guys are more powerful than basically anybody in the on the planet. Okay, I can tell you're really interested. Well, yeah, I, I'm I know. Sorry, it's, it's, I talk I talk about a fucking new East Sky series every goddamn week. You can only feign interest for so many of them. Yeah. To be fair, I'm still reading the one where. The guy who goes to another world, his magic power is Amazon. So, <laughs> yeah, I was reading that one too. He just got I'm a slime. Opposed, I'm not opposed to them. I'm just inundated with them. Yeah. Uh, one thing that is weirdly becoming a recurring joke is so there's a Baron that gets introduced about halfway through. Uh, halfway through to where it is now, so like around like chapter like between fifteen and twenty. Who when he when he begin when he begins showing up, he's like bringing like a small army into the village, like because they're about to be encroached by another country. When he shows up, all three of the Japanese people are like, "Oh yeah, you're evil," because he is a big fat man in armor with a giant mustache and no hair. For like, oh evil, got it. I'm gonna kill you. Until Hans is like, no, don't fucking, you dumbasses. That seems to be a recurring joke for some reason. It keeps popping up every now and again. And just recently, we just recently we got a new Japanese character showing up in this world who has like stupid, powerful magics of essentially every kind because it's elemental magic is the fucking yeah. She sees him and immediately tries to blow up his house. Because she's like, oh, you're going to try to rape me. Bye, bitch. And then just explodes and flies away. Okay. Yeah, it, it reads better. <laughs> yeah. Last one. Not really easy, guy, but it feels like one. It's like a level 999 villager kind of situation of like a of a more comedy focused thing about the guy who's stupid overpowered. I suppose taking things really seriously or going real dark about it. It's just it just some little fucking shit ends up on a mountain full of S rank monsters and then eats a bunch of them and becomes God basically then leaves. And then the world deals with him being there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Well written. Well drawn. It's called Sonomono. 
period chi, I think. I don't know. Weird title. Really lost a lot of steam there as I kind of went on talking about stuff. Just some good conversation. And then just Isakai. Oh, then then is the nine billionth time we talked about it. So understandable, but uh, anyway. So Birdie, what Isakai series have you been reading? Uh nothing new. <laughs> so. Well darn. Uh, I wanted to act disinterested. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh quick couple of um weird Korean series I've been reading, both of which are on a... Do you check Webtoon ever? Uh, Not directly. I sometimes get, like, Webtoon stuff that I find on other manga sites. Okay. Uh, Let's do the simpler one to talk about first. Uh, Nano List. Uh, This is a... a, um, sci-fi action thriller curse fest... No, I've seen this one kicking around. Yeah. um, The main character, I think, it's hard to tell if he's the main character. It seems to be a lot of focus on him for a character that has no backstory other than his relationship to someone who's more important. Um, (laughs) he He lives by himself ever since his sister died. His parents died when they were both little. But his sister, when she died, left him a huge amount of money and like a a spending plan for school, a maid robot to help him with stuff around the house, and said, in five years' time, and, like, in the will that was read to him, there was something that said, in five years' time, you will receive a present when you're a teenager. Uh, Said present shows up literally at midnight on his birthday. The uh, thing in question appears to be a, a small girl robot named Nano. Naturally. Yeah. So, um, there are now two robots living with him, uh, both with the saltiest mouths that have ever been. Wait, who, who's the first robot? Uh, the maid robot that I mentioned. Okay, okay, sorry, I was reading up a webtoon stuff, and then start stop paying attention for a second. Yeah, uh, the other maid robot, the housemaid, housemaid, I have to put that in quotes, because a joke early on in the series that Nano and she share is... Like, he thinks you're a, a maid robot. It's like, yeah, I kind of just buy stuff from the convenience store and hire people to clean. <laughs> and he think, he's dumb enough to think you you you'd still do all this yourself? He's sweet that way. Aww. And I guess he needs to be sweet, because everyone else in this series has the saltiest mouths I've ever seen. Like, there is so much swearing. A lot of sailor talk and, around like, here. Yeah, and the sis the um the sister who created Nano and Zan um is considered was considered something of a genius in a in the field of full AI uh full body cyborgs and so androids. Are robots like are robots and cyborgs and androids shit like a thing in this world, or does only he? Yeah, have no, them? they're no, they're a thing. They're okay. a common thing. Although, of course, um. His are special. Well, yeah, his are special. Uh, hers, Zahn's not particularly special, aside from the fact that basically from a very early time that after 
uh, his sister Maddie. Okay, the main character's name is Milo. His sister's name is Maddie. After Maddie Crater is like, yeah, if anyone's spying on him, um, you have to kill them. <laughs> so the laws of robotics aren't a big priority around here. No, actually, they make a joke about that, saying at the in the first chapter they say the reason that uh, robots have proliferated so much is because of the rule that robots cannot kill. And literally twelve chapters later, the I guess main bad guy of the sh- of the series, a robot named Cha Cha, because sure, um, yeah, naturally, says just laughs like, oh, of course people, that's what we told people, but that's just a load of shit. So yeah, military androids everywhere. <laughs> And Nano, uh, the the last robot that Maddie on uh, Milo's big sister created, is special in that her whole body is composed of and filled with nanomachines that basically can do a quicker and more targeted version of what Scar does with his proto-alchemy. Nanomachines, son. Yeah. So, like... They test this by having Nano just like essentially stand outside a $90 billion oil refinery and just disassemble it, kill everyone inside, blow anything up that might be accidentally blown up. Why? Have her get shot at. It just, it, she was, uh, the company that made her was paid to, to um, carry out terrorism. <laughs> Naturally. Because, <laughs> you know, evil. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, they, I mean, they got to fund their war against Captain Planet somehow. Yeah. Now, the character that seems to have had the most effect on the plot up to this point is uh, Milo's big sister, Maddie, who is a psychotic bitch because uh, Maddie had to told Nano that when you meet my little brother, make sure it's him by trying to beat the shit out of him as much as humanly possible to like an within an inch of his life because. If you do that and it is him, the little surprise I embedded in his back will wake up. What? Yeah, uh, like he apparently... Do you like a bomb in him? Uh, no, a death ray. And sure. It, what's, sure. What's, what's weird is it's not even a death ray that he has any control over. It's like an automated trap. Why? And why, when he is almost dead, does it only activate? I don't know. I guess he's come to the point of death a couple of times while she was alive. And she, in her infinite wisdom, somehow in, replaced his spinal column with uh, with android parts and embedded a gun in it. <laughs> What's the logic there? Like, well, like oh, my, sure brother, she... my brother's almost died a couple times. I know what I'll do. I'll replace his fucking spine with a gun. <laughs> but only a gun that comes out when he is almost dead anyway. He won't know about it. He won't have any way to trigger it himself. And everything about it is fucked. But this is a good idea. I am a good sister. Well, the implication of the series is that she's not a good sister. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's the implication. <laughs> No other overarching themes. It's just yeah, this sister ain't great. The only the the her her overarching theme aside from that seems to be, you know, she created this device that kills people, a lot of people very quickly and very easily, and 
because she's killed people before herself or watched her previous creations do it, and she felt real no real compassion, so she was convinced she was just a complete sociopath. But when she sees about 2,000 people die in the refinery bombing that I mentioned earlier, she was trying to convince, like, wait, do I actually care? Am I upset that that many people are dead? Or that this robot who thinks who enjoys that I'm as crazy as she is wants me to build more death robots for her? Like, I mean, I didn't care before. Why do I care now? <laughs> and you mean to tell me that this is the person who replaced her brother's spinal column with fucking pistols? Get out of town. <laughs> Yeah, so her brilliant plan, again, psychotic sister, is tell Nano, hey, they're going to make you, because I was contracted to build you for the company that had you carry out terrorism, you are contracted legally within a certain time limit to work for them. Work for them within the time limit, at which point just leave because they have no legal or, uh, because you are a product with no, with an owner, You ha- they have no legal or... Uh, corporate way to hold on to you without your written, without your physical consent. Wait, what? Yeah, this this is another weird thing about uh, androids cannot like they are technically on paper have to be owned by a human, but because full a- full AI is a thing, they have to give their consent to be owned by a human. No, that's not that's not even the fucking weirdest thing. The weirdest thing is that the weirdest thing to me is that this fucking Maddie, she made this product. You've repeatedly called it a product for the company yeah. and the company didn't already own it. No, yeah, that's the thing. She doesn't work for the company. She was a independent contractor. Who the fuck did their negotiations? Just all right, so Right, so, mad scientist lady, we need you to make a super fucking big dick advanced robot that can fucking murder 8 billion people just by fucking sneezing at them. And you're going to own it when everything's said and done. Like, how bad did they get art of the deal? I don't know. Jesus Christ, it's like some fucking USFL shit right there. Yeah, I mean, there's even a scene while Maddie's still alive where she's talking to the head of the evil robots where Maddie's like, hey, you know, you could just extend the contract indefinitely and just sell her to us. It's like, nope. It's like, you should have thought of that when you were negotiating with me before when we made this. I mean, and Did the guy's brain then fall out of his butthole? Because he's so fucking retarded that he didn't... (laughs) Oh. I am fucking shocked that this is the thing that finally kind of broke me with this series. That a corporate loophole is your problem? (laughs) No, it's not even a corporate loophole. It's that the corporation didn't even think to put in a loophole itself. Or even a loophole. Just like the fact that it didn't fucking... Again, mad scientist lady, we need you to make a fucking super murder bot that you will have the full ownership rights to when you are finished making it. Here is all the money. Like, even freelancers, when they're doing this shit, like, when they fucking get money from companies to do their own independent research, it's stated repeatedly 
in contracts, at least from what I have seen in other kinds of entertainment shit like this, that they fucking own anything that that person makes because it's their goddamned money. Yeah. I mean, I'm not caught up in the series, obviously. I've only read about 20-something chapters out of 100-something. But... Yeah, though I do agree that the weird corporate the weird corporate situation that essentially just lets a super weapon walk out of the mad scientist lab and they can't legally do anything. That's the only thing. <laughs> Why make the super murder sentience? It's like fucking make that shit Ed two oh nine. You don't need a Robocop. Just like it, just like it, it has enough to recognize its fucking boss, pointing a finger and saying murder, and then doing that. Then it shuts off and goes to sleep and fucking dreams of unicorns or whatever. Yeah, particularly since mad scientists in her infinite wisdom linked um, control of the nanomachine swarm to emotions. So extreme <laughs> physical oh my God. stress can target it, can activate it accidentally. Was Maddie assassinated? No, she killed herself. Why has she not been assassinated? <laughs> the second she made a robot, every government in the world should have just fucking hired a sniper. Just take her the fuck out. Like, fuck me. Hey guys, I got hey guys, I got this crazy idea for a patent. It's a murder swarm tied to emotions of a crazy person. Then just immediately someone throws someone just hucks a fucking shoe bomb at her. Christ. Yeah, so I get the impression you're not gonna be reading this. I might. Come on, you've spent enough time talking to me about stupid shit that you know that I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I I like the art style of it. It's kind of it's deliberately minimalist. There is color and everything, and the fights are kind of brutal, despite it mostly being robots breaking and crushing each other. Like, I, it, it it takes a certain level of um, artistic skill to make the dis, the uh, disassembly of a robot gruesome. Yeah even if it is humanoid-looking. So I, I give the artist credit for that. And the characters are well-crafted, even if they are so salty-mouthed, it seems a little ridiculous. Like, um, the, Milo once asked Nano why, uh, what kind of person, what, do you, what did you think of my sister? To which her response after her flashback of her time with her was like, she was a fucking bitch, what did you expect me to say? Yeah, that's one crazy fucking cunt you got for a sister. <laughs> Shit. Linda spends her time listing off racial slurs. I don't know. <laughs> this is Korean. I'm, I guess maybe if you, whatever the whatever the Koreans use as a Japanese slur. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. All right. Okay, so now... Actually, um, mentioning that it's Korean. This is going to be stupid. Did the sister look like one of the Kims? No. 
Okay. Uh, for for reference, you might get. Do you remember um, what's the series called? Uh, Gormengond. Yeah. Remember Coco? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I still remember. I still remember that fucking ending theme. Yeah, and it could fit Maddie just as well as Coco. Yeah, it just wouldn't rhyme as well. Her name is Maddie. She is Batty. Get the fuck out! (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, it's the the nano swarm. The robot must have been feeling slightly irritated. Yeah, and I guess that was the the loophole. I guess the closest thing I could think of to a loophole you mentioned is that while Nano herself is owned by Maddie. Um, the corporate data and like the hard drives that created Nano or the ownership of the company, I guess, was how they thought they were going to have a loophole. But that's not uh, a loophole. That's just stupid. <laughs> all right, so we spent all our time. We spent all our time fucking housing this data, manufacturing this robot, and then also fucking putting all the code onto all that shit. We're going to take all the hard drives and leave you with the thing that we the thing that was made from the stuff on the hard drives. Yeah. Also, if the if the thing they want is just the goddamn nanoswarm, why put it in a person-shaped robot? Put it in a gun. Put it in a beehive, put it in a fucking picnic basket. <laughs> why have it be a person? I think we have our title for the episode Dead Man. <laughs> Put it in a fucking picnic basket. <laughs> uh, uh, I gotta look yeah. at how to fuck now how fucking Yogi Bear spells picnic. Yeah. So that was a weird Korean independent manhwa type thing. Alright, so one more one, which makes even less sense because it's a Korean series talking about America. Joyous day. Unordinary. Okay, so... That title just pisses me off. (laughs) Uh, Alright, so essentially, the best way to describe this world is... So it's a high school battle drama series. But it's essentially, it's like if the entire world of... um, what is it? Uh, My Hero Academia was peopled by assholes and society was structured around that. Okay. To the point where the high school where our main character, John, attends. By the way, his name is John Doe. That's fucking goddammit. <laughs> there is a reason for that, but... Uh, he killed a lot of people at his previous high school, but <laughs> and <laughs> naming himself John Doe makes him more suspicious. <laughs> Apparently, not to Koreans. Apparently, they're not familiar with that term. Fuck it. Him, him being named Frankie New Mexico would make him less suspicious. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, so in this world where if you have powers... What's up? I'm bok choy soul. What's up? 
<laughs> so anyway, in this world where if you have powers, you're top dog, and if you have powers, you fight other people with powers to see who is top dog among the top dogs. So if you have no powers, you're fucked. Naturally. Yeah. Our main character... Okay, I have to get a... a do you, how much do you care if I get into spoilers? Because this is kind of late in the series. That <laughs> I this don't is spoiled. fucking care. All right. So, for a significant portion of the series, we are convinced that the main character, John Doe, has no powers. And he is running around, getting the shit kicked out of him, acting like acting bullied all the time. But there's an occasional situation where other kids at the school are getting bullied by this, that he just... Some part of him won't allow this to be the mindset that he takes... He knows how to avoid danger himself, but he can't always ignore other people in danger, so he ends up fighting them, and he occasionally wins, but gets the shit kicked out of him as a result most of the time. <laughs> like, the very first chapter, he fights a guy who's who basically has, um, what's the red-haired kid from Deku's class? Uh, fucking Harden Boy? Yeah, the, that the basic ability, like, physical enhancement and, like, body density. He fights that guy, and... Beats him by throwing him out of a third-story window, which doesn't kill him because of the body enhancement, but that's the only way he knows how to win. But Kirishima, that's that fucker's name. Yeah, yeah. but because of that, he broke his arm in six places. <laughs> <laughs> because the guy was so heavy. <laughs> okay, yeah. And it's, to, and it's to this point where this happens so regularly that... The school nurse knows him by name and basically treats him as how you tr- how you would treat um, the guy who created uh, Sword Art Online. It's like, oh, <laughs> piece of shit, you again. <laughs> you fucking I'm guard person. What the fuck I'm was that? I'm contractually obligated to deal with you, but for fuck's sake, man, I can't live my life with you constantly in here. <laughs> yeah, welcome back, rarely recurring guest, Reki Kawahara, you fucking dirtbag. <laughs> What series did you read that you think might be improved by having the main female character raped by tentacles? Yeah. Yo, video games are cool, aren't they? You fuck. Yeah. So the only reason anyone, anytime anyone ever leaves John alone at all is that he's close friends with the top chick in the school. Who, her power is time control. Uh, it's always the scale, isn't it? Just either have nothing or you are actually God. <laughs> it's never... It's, like Thinking about it now, like the only series of like recent memory for, for like series where like, hey, fucking superpowers rule the world or whatever. Don't really remember that where the main character just had like some weird just kind of regular power was the fucking vigilante spinoff. Oh yeah. The my hero academia vigilantes. Yeah. Where his power is. If he has three of his limbs touching the ground, he can move about as fast as a bicycle. Yeah. That's not common. <laughs> yeah. No, that it is. It, right it is either. Yeah. You have fucking nothing, but you're still, but your dick's still awesome. Or you are actually a God. Yeah. And I mean, it is apparent that John trains extensively in martial arts so that he's got something he can fall back on, even if it's not always that all that helpful against people with actual superpowers. Uh-huh. 
Like, he, he's a much more reasonable example of what would happen if Batman fought anyone with superpowers. Like, yeah, he might maybe win, but he would still get fucked up in the process. Yeah, it's like, it's like I want, as he goes to raise his fist up, his arm just, like, all of a sudden folds over on itself. Yeah. Then he explodes. Yeah. But, uh, so, of course, in a series like this, everyone is an asshole, except the main character and his love interest. Naturally. Who... The, their backstory is the most compelling aspect of it because the reason John acts the way he does is that this is the weirdest element of this story to me. Hero heroism is an innately dangerous concept to this society. <laughs> okay. To the point where a book that John's father wrote about heroism and its role in society was banned, and if you talk about it, you go to prison. Oh, yeah, this fucking sounds great, like a great place to live. <laughs> yeah. Just, I want to help but, people. Go to fucking jail. Yeah, basically. And the main character... Whereas everything, whereas everything point, else is like, hey, you want to subjugate people and like horribly physically abuse people with no powers? That's totally fine. You want to help somebody? Get the fuck to Alcatraz, bitch. Yeah, and everyone just goes along with it because that's just the way things are. But the the main female character, the love interest, she was she's top of the school both in grades and power, and because of that there are expectations of how she should behave both around her parents, around other students and such. And the implication of the, her backstory with John is that she was under so much pressure so much so much of the time to be on top that it was almost as bad, if not worse, than being at the bottom because all the expectations of her meant that if she makes even the slightest minor miscalculation, everyone talks shit about her. And that level of stress, when you include John, who just plain doesn't give it the program, she flat out essentially time skips her way through a two-hour punching session on him in about three minutes to the point where even the other kids who know, yeah, if you're at the bottom, you get shit kicked. are like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all over the fact that John being fiercely independent and self-driven does not really want her to just do his homework for him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, because uh, they are, they are, she is forced into working with him on a school project, and it's one of those, look, I'm smart, I can do all of it, just sit back and take the grade, and he's like, no, I want to contribute. And days of this, and him not doing as well on part, his part of the project as her, is causing her grades to suffer, and it causes so much strain that when he picks up a piece of cake that she wants, and he refuses to give it up, she beats the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. And eventually, after a week of this, she just gets so worn down that she eventually listens to him enough for a sec, or he just says, do you enjoy this? <laughs> do you enjoy acting like this all the time? <laughs> and she, could, she apparently never considered that question because it was so normal socially, so she's just like, no, I guess I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And the rest of her story is just sort of like breaking out of the social norms that are expected of her, both with her family and with her uh, with her school, regardless. And she mostly gets away with it for the most part. Just, John, I, on the other hand, 
I. What? Just think about it now. I find it really weird. This idea of like so many so many uh, manga and even like manhwa stuff is built so much into like the rigid hierarchy of like social status and power and stuff. And this idea of going against that is such a fucking novelty to every character in this world. Like, what is society like in these goddamn countries where the idea of saying, hey, people in power, you suck, that's revolutionary? Well, I mean... It might just be because of, might just be because of like, where we I don't are. Know about, I don't know about South Korea, but it might be somewhere in South Korea just because... It, here's a thought for you. At the, at the end of, the, of World War II... A lot of the people that were in control of fascist imperialist Japan during World War II were put back in power because it, for the U.S. that was preferable to commies. <laughs> hey, what are you doing over there? Redistributing bread? Go fuck yourself. Ethnic cleansing all the way. Yeah, basically. And I imagine something similar might be true in South Korea because they constantly live with you want a certain degree of totalitarian control, even if it's a mostly democratic parliamentary government, because they live in fear of North Korea. <sighs> so if a few personal rights have to go out the window for the sake of security, what of it? Let's think... There's a difference between losing a few like there's a difference between a few, losing a few civil rights for the, the for the betterment of the country, and having the country being totally run by people by the one guy with a handgun. Just like just like what if what if in fucking South Korea, it was all right. So we're this country. Things are relatively fine around here. Then one day a person randomly generates a generates a pistol. Then twelve others do it. Then they run everything. And the society is, if you have a gun, you are in control. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's that's the easiest, dumbest metaphor I can think of. Yeah. And of course, I mean, John is more, instead of the powerless guy, actually is the most powerful, but... Considering what he did with his powers the last time he used them, he doesn't want to use them because his power is that not only can it not only does he have the uh, the rogue thing where he can copy any power he comes in contact with naturally, he can combine them. Ah, uh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, see what I mean? Yeah, either nothing or God. Yeah. And there's elements of his backstory that still don't make much sense to me because the thing that compelled him to stop using his powers for the most part is that when he was in, I think, either middle school or first year of high school, this one friend he had seemingly betrayed him by summoning literally every kid in school to try to beat him down at once. His response was to beat them all with an inch of life or kill them and then ask her why you betrayed me. And she's like, have you looked at yourself lately? Wait, what? Yeah, that's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it's somehow was he being fault. a butthole before? 
I guess technically in the sense that he was top dog, and whenever anyone talked shit about him, his response was to throw them through a door. Wow, I kind of hate this now. Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of want you to read a couple chapters to get your your opinion of it, but like that part of the story doesn't make much sense to me, and it kind of ruins his character a bit. It it makes the world make less sense too. Yeah, like this. This is society where if you have powers, you can do whatever the fuck you want. He was doing that and was considered a bad person for it, even though, from what my fucked up head is thinking, throwing people through doors is one of the lighter things. Like, hey, you talk shit about me? Fuck you. But that pushed it too far? I don't know. Like, apparently, Like, apparently the rampage he went on in his last school put him on some kind of, like, government watch list where... The government is afraid they might not be able to control him if his powers got out of hand. But by that same token, why would anyone antagonize him if, like, even if there's free thought? The, like, that's the other weird thing. Like, for a society built on the idea of you have power, you get to do shit, they are weirdly, like, obsessed with, like, the ideas associated with, like, democratic freedoms. And I'm like... <laughs> why? I don't know. Like, the, the head of the school paper is like, I believe in the freedom of the press. I don't like you suppressing it just because you're top shit. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you seem to know how this works. Why are you saying this? <laughs> yeah, the people have a right to speak their minds. Not you, though. You don't have any powers. Yeah, so, yeah, like, God. It's, it's, a, it's a weird mishmash of, like, an authoritarian society and like democratic political freedoms so like what the hell is going on yeah this seems like a world that was not thought out or the way or maybe it was thought out well at the beginning but the way they wanted the story to evolve made it no longer make sense yeah he made the world wrote it down in stone and then like all right so now his backstory fuck yeah but like i mean the first part of the story where I thought he was powerless and that his dad was like some kind of crazy revolutionary with the idea of, hey, heroics might be a good idea. That kind of makes a bit more sense. But when you also have like normal people who like think it's weird that he's as abusive as he is with his powers when the ruling of thing of society is have powers do shit. That's where it stops making sense to me. <laughs> yeah, like if the reason why he wanted that, if the reason why his fucking friend betrayed him was that, like, hey, I want to be top dog. You can still get the desired result and have a world that makes sense. Yeah, but no, in the world where being top dog means you have the fucking big dick right to do whatever you want, and then people get pissy at him for having the big dick right to do whatever he wants and being not that bad about it. Like, given fucking, like, ability modding and shit, he could have done so much worse to them. Like, the fact that he murdered his entire... The fact that he fucking basically killed the entire class, A, showed that he could do it, and B, showed that he could do it at fucking... God damn it. God damn it. This goddamn fucking stupid-ass dumb book. I love how you're angry at the thing that I read than I am. What the fuck kind of name is Unordinary to? (laughs) 
the fact that I think I think it's the fact that it doesn't. I think it's the fact that it sort of makes sense if you think about there's like base words, but the but when they're put together like that is just so fucking infuriating to me. Like, and I don't know why. It makes sense, but but phonically it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, just like all right, it's like technically that's not wrong, but like fuck you for putting those words together. Yeah, it's like non-stable. Yeah, it's just like no, the fucking the words the words are there. We have the right prefixes for these shit. Just for the shit, don't fucking God. I don't know why that pissed me off so much. Well, you could always read it and see if it would make you angrier. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I will read this tale of Liam Las Vegas. <laughs> All right, so shall I move on to something that is more coherent but makes less sense? Yeah, sure. Okay, so Napping Princess, also called um, Ancient and the Tablet. Ancient and the Magic Tablet. Okay. Yeah, this is an anime movie... From Kenji Kamiyama, the guy who is most well known for, at least in the West, for directing the two seasons of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. And... Ooh, he also did backgrounds for DuckTales. Yeah. And... This is weird. Okay. Because... (sighs) Okay, the story is a mostly down-to-earth sci-fi drama about um, a Japanese company that has, who, who the CEO's daughter was trying to invent self-driving cars. Uh, the man she married was not approved of by her father, so they eloped and they had a daughter, and the mother died in some accident at some point. Uh, The daughter grows up with no knowledge of her origins, and her father told her stories of this magical kingdom where a princess who was oppressed by the king king of of a machine kingdom kept her locked in a tower because of her magical powers. And she always dreams about these things when she's and when she's she always dreams about this these stories a lot even now that she's a teenager. Uh, the main character's name is Kokone. She's the granddaughter in question. Uh, at some point in the middle of her junior year of high school, uh, men show up to arrest her father and looking for some some tablet, like not like a chiseled tablet, like a computer tablet. I figured. Yeah. They're trying uh, to steal her fucking wake Yeah. She finds it hidden in her favorite doll. Ella and her phone from her father tells her, uh, don't trust the guy the guy with the beard who cackles maniacally when saying I'm not the villain. Oh, but he seems so trustworthy. Yeah. Okay, so aside from the weird dreams, everything I've described to you sounds pretty ordinary, right? 
as ordinary as can be. Yeah. So after her father is kidnapped and after commandeering a friend of hers in a motorcycle to, to chase down the guys who stole the tablet from her and getting it back, they start a several hundred kilometer trek from one of the Japan's southern islands to Tokyo to meet with the head of Shijima Motors, her grandfather, who, who does not know she exists because when they eloped, apparently the father was forbidden from ever telling... Her, her uh, the main character's father was forbidden from ever telling the head of Shijima about his granddaughter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at some point during the night, her uh, Kakone, the main character, and her, her high school friend, she, who she talked into helping her with this, fall asleep, and then they are both in the dreams that she always used to have, where she is, for some reason, now the the mystic princess ancient who is fighting against a kingdom that is trying to oppress her and her ability to use magic to animate machines to stop a, a blob, a lava monster from destroying the world. Hold up. <laughs> there is a Lava monster threatening to wipe out all of existence. Yes, in her dreams. There's a person who can fight it using robots. Essentially. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the populace's response is, let's kill the robot witch. Then we'll deal with the lava monster. Yes. Do writers know about a self-preservation instinct? No, because the the ev- the obviously evil guy who is evil with his evil beard who says I am not the villain, um, and then cackles maniacally in her dreams is uh, essentially the Jafar of this world, who is constantly whispering in the king's ear and undermining him behind his back. So all these people are retarded. Yes, like Jafar. He was at least intelligent. Like, yeah, his plan was a bit fucking weird, but like, and he kind of got tricked at the end, but like, fuck it. He still fucking, until a lad showed up, his plan fucking worked. But then, this, then we got this guy whose plan will be like, ah, yes, I've succeeded. I've killed the evil demon witch. It's getting really hot out here, isn't it? If you're going to kill her, wait until she defeats the evil blob monster. Or, failing that, hope the evil blob monster kills her. Or if you want to go for bonus points, kill her after defeating that monster so everyone thinks she died fighting the monster. Yeah. Well, you're not going to like when we get to the end of this. Of course I fucking Um, won't. Yeah. So, of course, in in her dreams after she's fallen asleep and she and her friend are in her dream world, when they wake up, they have traveled from... One of these southern islands that they live on to Osaka, which I looked up how far that is. It's about 800 miles over the course of a night. How far is that in kilometers? Uh, a little over 1,600. Wow. Miles are stupid. <laughs> so continue. Yeah. Um, and... 
the their logical explanation for this is that the motorcycle they were in that her dad built has a self-driving program built in which drove them all the way to Osaka before it ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, you know, going 100 miles an hour. Which, like, the implication then, again, is that they both slept through this whole process. Because, you know, no top, no goggles or anything. You can totally fall asleep in a motorcycle going 200 kmph. <laughs> yeah, totally. I tell you what. I once had to do a cross-country trip in the back of a pickup truck. We run from the cops. They were doing fucking breakneck speeds in Highway 7. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to take a nap. Slept through the yeah. entire thing. I was even yeah. shot once. Slept through it. You can sleep so through anything, point, really. So at some point, they just discovered that because... Technically, from the police's perspective, the thing Kokone has in her possession is stolen property. The The cops are looking for her and the motorcycle that she was last seen driving around in. So she and her friend like ditch the motorcycle and tell it to meet them in Tokyo, and they go get a train ticket. Okay, I was going to say, like, if, if they ditch the sentient motorcycle, just like, are we going to fucking ditch this thing? Just throw it into a fucking ditch and set it on fire? No, they, like, specifically, like tell it to drive off to distract the cops. Yeah. All right. What, all right. What, 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 what you get him away? Break on a site and go to a spray paint shop. GTA rules would make about as much sense as this. <laughs> then meet us in this one city that is fucking 300 kilometers away. That is 300 kilometers away. We'll see you there in about 20 minutes. Uh, no, I, uh, actually, I think, it's well. It's not as far away, Dead Man. Um, Osaka to Tokyo is more like six hundred kilometers. <laughs> okay, forty minutes. <laughs> so they're like, okay, how do we get a train ticket? We have to take the express because that's the only way to get to Osaka from get from Tokyo to Osaka. Osaka to Tokyo that does not take like three days. Um, so how do we do that? We have to get the express. How much does the express cost? Six hundred fifty dollars. Fuck. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Like, I knew trains in Japan were expensive, but, like, Jesus. The the bullet train in Japan is particularly expensive. <laughs> how many, how many layers, and how many, like, transfers do we have to do if we just took the subway? Dozens. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah. At which point, a random lady comes, and... So, at some point, she lost her cell phone. So, uh, Kakane has been trying to communicate with her father through the tablet by the messaging app on it. And at some point, um, she just randomly says, writes into it, out of money, need train tickets. <laughs> and... <laughs> hey, Dad, I worked with po- the cops. I don't have any cash. Can I borrow, like, $1,300? Yeah. At which point, a random lady from the ticket com- from the train company says, oh, you are Miss Kakone. Here's your- here are you and your friend's express pre- express passes for the week. For the week? Yeah. Uh, uh, Christ. <laughs> so the dad's loaded, so right? He... No. What? Th- then how? How? I'll explain in a sec. Uh, so Kakone... $650 for that... a one-way ticket and they got a week pass? <laughs> That's worth like at least I'll... twelve grand. i am assuming. 
Uh, at, no, more more like a more like a grand because when you buy up a, a week pass, it tends to be a lot cheaper than buying individual tickets most of the time. But uh, you, the thing about passes is that you have to actually use them within a certain time limit. Like once you start using it, you have that many days to use it. You can't like break it up on days you actually use it. <sighs> but anyway, um, so. Kakone, in her infinite stupidity, thinks that her tablet is magic. So, <laughs> so as a result, she then, uh, while she's on the train with her friend, says, We're hungry. Can you buy us a bento and some drinks? At which point, Cart Lady comes down and offers them uh, lunches and drinks they've already been paid for. Hold the fuck up. So she messages her dad asking for money for train tickets, sees that she has train tickets waiting and paid for, and assumes, not that it was her dad, that it's magic. Yeah. because And she assumes that it's not her dad because, as far as she is aware, her dad has no money and is bad at managing money because instead of using – because he's a ace mechanic, but he keeps getting paid in, like, fruit and fish and stuff. I'm having so a she's... flashback <laughs> to Bakugan to Bakugan crowds or whatever the fuck it was, where you said you hated the main character because she was like blisteringly stupid. Oh, Gachamon crowds. Gachamon crowds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was presented as naive, and I just found her annoying. <laughs> I haven't even seen this, and I'm getting that fucking feeling from this goddamn girl. Yeah. When the Fuck actual me. explanation is that um, her father used to work for Shijima Motors, and the app she's been using to talk to her father is public and used by a number of mechanics who still work for the company, so they've been paying for shit. I hurt. Yeah. And this isn't the fun kind of hurt like last time. No, like, that wasn't even pain. That was just like fucking... Last time it was just pure goddamn insanity. It was like a roller coaster ride. This... This is like trying to explain fucking mechanics to one of my roommates. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I'm being being dead serious here. Like, I have a roommate who, like, I showed him a picture of the Ben Hur mo- the Ben Hur remake poster and said, "This is a remake of an old of an old movie called Ben Hur." He then looked at the tagline on the poster and said, "Is this based off of Exodus Gods and Men?" Okay. Because they both had the same tagline on the poster. All right. Whatever. Christ. But, um Okay, so up to this point, and eventually we learned that after this, we learned that essentially all the dreams of the stories that her father told her as a child were her father's way of telling her their daughter what happened to her mother 
without actually saying it. Because that would that would be too logical. <laughs> yeah, and if we've learned anything from this family, the yeah. least obvious solution is the correct one. Yeah. And so at that point, you're in the impression, okay, so dumb as it is, there is technically a logical explanation for any quote-unquote magic shit that has happened in this movie. But and then after, the real magic shit happens. But no, but then we get to the last 20 minutes where we just go full on all the characters who were in the dreams seem to be in real life and like the the dreams she's having seem to be happening all around her and stuff that makes no sense happens like she plugs the magic spell tablet into the giant robots that her father that her grandfather has been building that don't have magic in them and it grows eight angel wings and flies into space where the lava monster breaks down into bats and follows her what <laughs> at which point after this I'm getting flashbacks like ten, to crybaby and that for 10 minutes of of this randomness we just find ourselves in like the rafters of the automotor the automotor the the motor building that her father her grandfather owns with her hanging from the rafters about to die please and I'm stop like, how did how did we get here <laughs> please stop <laughs> please <laughs> can I explain what happened here before I stop I actively like not, do not like care. not like not in the plot I mean like in the mechanics of this movie I am putting effort into this to not care okay so while Kinji Kamiyama is famous for Ghost in the Shell standalone complex he's also famous for another weird misfire of an anime thriller from the late 2000s called um, Eden of the East. Right. I've heard of this and seen clips of it. Yeah. Which is another techno thriller with the tone and plot mechanics of a fairy tale. And I think that's what happened here. Is this the one? Is this the one? Is Eden of the East the one that starts out with the dude with the pistol naked in front of the White House? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I think this is more like Eden of the East Kamiyama and not standalone complex Kamiyama. Because while there is technically logical explanations for some of the shit, the weird fantasy mechanics built into a a down-to-earth narrative just make it confusing. Yeah, from... Just based on, like track record i guess seems like he's better at adapting than making his own original shit yeah probably because i know every time i mention uh i still occasionally talk with cora about anime type stuff and he and whenever i mention eden these he's always essentially acts like you have for the last 20 minutes while talking about this <laughs> where i was talking about this where he said I t- I t- <laughs> what So that was a weird thing. Sounds like it. Yeah. And now for the last thing of the night, and another case of I have no idea what's going on, but for entirely different reasons, time for a new segment I'm going to be introducing on the show called Netflix Did What? (laughs) 
So this is where Netflix original anime that anim- that Netflix produced from major studios with decent backing has like no marketing until it's released and like the major uh news sites don't cover them until they're already out in full. To the point where when ANN dropped a review of this series in its entirety, it happened literally a week after the series dropped. Okay. And, I had, and while I found articles referencing it from uh, August 2017, I don't remember us talking about it. Okay. So this is called Ico Incarnation. Yeah, I haven't even heard of this. Yeah. Get used to that. That'll be the trend the next couple. <laughs> yeah. So from Bones. Yeah, from Studio Bones. The other ones from um, Production IG. Christ. Yeah. How the fuck did we not? How the hell did I not hear about this? Yeah, according to the link on ANN, this was broadcast simultaneously worldwide. And yet, aside from like this brief link, there was basically no mention of it until it was fully released. Well, that's how like Netflix does that stuff. Yeah, they, but they, we they were aware. But we were aware that Devilman Crybaby was happening, even though that even though that was on Netflix too. We were not aware this was happening, as far as I'm, as far as I know. Yeah, well, like Devilman Crybaby, that was a fucking legacy series. Yeah. Nobody nobody's and, like, hey, did you check out this weird did you check out this fucking new thing from Bones about like I don't know, Starfish? Yeah. And maybe that's why they didn't market it, because I looked it up and this is a rare thing in anime new nowadays. It's a completely new IP. Like it's not based on a light novel, it's not based on a manga. There is uh, no Well actually from the looks of it it might be. Because because the manga was released. No, I I looked that up and the manga was released as a tie in to the anime. Okay. Which almost never happens anymore. That used to happen, but not much these days. Because There's one for Darling in the Franks. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure was another one that was just, oh, the, man, the anime's popular, let's make a manga. Like this, this, is, this is so fucking weird. The manga came out, the manga began serialization five months before the series premiered. Yeah. Yeah, the Ico manga Which, began fucking publication in Monthly Shonen Series on November 25th, and the series launched March 9th. Yeah, which to me sounds like a marketing push in Japan more than anything else. Not like this is adapted from that. Yeah, just, hey, we got hey, we got a fucking, we got to drum, drum up shit for this goddamn series. Like, yeah, I know Bones yeah. is on it, but it's a Netflix thing. Nobody gives a fuck about that. So here's what we do. Kadansha, here's some fucking money. Print it. People get hype. Yeah. yeah. What about American? What about America, sir? Fuck them. Yeah. Well, I will say this. This is one of the worst opening episodes to an anime with this level of production design I've ever seen. The way you said that, I assumed you were going to say something good to counteract all the bad shit we've been saying. No. I mean, it looks pretty, but it's bones, so that's... Ah, <laughs> uh, 
that's always that's weirdly one of the worst things to say about an anime. <laughs> Just well, it looks pretty. I mean, it has no real art direction. It just, it's well produced. And the so main I character can say has... that it looks good, but that's it. And the main character has the same name as the acronym for the Eve Monster things, I guess. Ooh. No, no, nothing that smart. No, I'm like the main character's name is Ico. Yeah. And the concrete yeah, is called I Ico's. know. I know. But. Probably unintentional, but still. Uh, okay. It's there. I can't tell you what the plot is because it's too confusing. I the have a plot five... right here. Okay, read it out. See if I'll see if it makes any sense to me. <laughs> In the year 2035, a biological research project to create an artificial and intelligent cellular organism, or ICO, went awry, resulting in an incident called the Burst, which transformed Kurobe George... Sure. Oh, Gorge. Sorry. Kurobe George. Gorge. I thought that was a person. You know, I spread throughout the Kurobe Gorge. Yeah, Kurobe Gorge. Into a quarantine area infested by a rampant growth of synthetic organisms called matter. Two years later, high school student Aiko Tachibana <laughs> finds that she may be the duplicate of a girl trapped within the matter whose family disappeared in the burst. An enigmatic fellow student, Yuya Kanzaki offers to solve the mystery by taking her with a group of professional divers to the primary point, which was, which was the center of the burst. Yeah. So based on the artwork, uh, two high school students join the, join the fucking power slash Rangers team to go fight the bad guys from final fantasy spirits within. no, there's elements of that, but okay. So I'm basing this off of the single promotional art, yeah, uh, piece. I know I can send you images from the pit from the uh, first episode if I want to. But uh, so Iko, the character we meet. Okay, so the series starts with six people in Halo armor, like multicolored Halo armor with motorized roller skates going. Those through are the a, Power Slash Rangers guys I was mentioning. Yeah with different types of weapons who are apparently despite seemingly having the same power sets are apparently in, uh being hired by different people to perform a task because they're constantly trying to fuck with each other while also trying to carry out this mission. Okay, I did a Google image search for Ico Incarnation anime because if you just do Ico Incarnation it gives you furniture. And one image that comes up is two girls, one of them bowing, one of them crouching, both in wrestling leotards, with the words butt guillotine written from looks of it three times on screen. That must be a later episode. That's not based that's not from the episode I saw. <laughs> and it's and it's tied to an article. It's linked to an article that is titled I think the exclamation points in anime titles rates the gay levels. Whatever. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I don't. So I don't understand. Okay, so, I don't know. So the matter is a essentially 
Think like bad Resident Evil movie tentacle horror. Resident Evil game tentacle horror. Like Resident Evil 5 or 6. Yeah, I was thinking like... Uh, did you ever see Evolution? The Dave Duchovny yeah. movie? Yeah, I saw that. That's... I can see elements of that, but I, it, I'm honestly more reminded of like the really bad Resident Evil games. Just a bunch of tentacles making an even bigger tentacle. Yeah. Okay. And... The mission goes foobar, not that the episode cares, because after one of the guys in the Halo, the Power Slash Ranger armor, gets his arm dissolved off by the matter, uh, jump cut awkwardly to a dream sequence from our main character, Aiko, who's waking up in a wheelchair. Iko, as far as we know, has never met any of these people. There is no indication that she would know anything about this other than these flashes of imagery. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Sounds she's recovering. Riveting. She's recovering from an accident. Uh, she's a uh, wheelchair bound and going through physical therapy, and they say she's improving. Uh, one day at school, she meets a mysterious transfer student. Uh, is is streaming, seemingly drawn to him for no reason, so much so that her her handicapped nature is instantly healed. <laughs> she learned to walk again from the power of sploosh? I guess, because she literally just stands up when he's announced as the transfer student in her class, and everyone points out she's standing up, and then, aside from, like, one time when she's tired, she's never in the wheelchair again. Do you hear that, paraplegic people? All you need to do is get really horny. Yeah. Anime told me so. Yeah. So it's some for some strange reason, she has apparently never gone back to visit her family after her family house after the accident after the car accident that took her father from her. Uh not clear why, other than I guess because she was handicapped, but like none of her other family are there. It's just a house with a bunch of shoes in it. Uh, so she finds a present that was meant for her from her father, which she gave to, he gave to her the day she di- he died. Uh, at which point, government agents try to swarm the building to abduct her, but the transfer student is an agent sent from a rival group to protect her, to help her stop the the matter burst. I feel like it's not, but this is reminding me of Full Metal Panic. I wish it was as coherent as Full Metal Panic. <laughs> It might have fewer tone problems than Full Metal Panic, but Full Metal Panic, I at least could figure out what the hell was going on. I have no idea what's going on by the end of this episode, because by the end of this episode, we have discovered that, oh, Aiko, you are literally a, a, a girl's brain inside an artificial body, which is indestructible. Which they so showcased. you're the girl, then? You are, the, you are a, a, a bunch of matter imitating the girl with her brain inside. The brain makes her the girl. Apparently not. She has the girl's ghost, dude. That that's why they're going in. They need to get her body to stop the burst somehow. So it apparently isn't the real girl because they even say this, you are not real. You are a person in a fake body, but which then- they showcase by stabbing her with a knife which breaks the moment it touches her. But she's still the person. Like that. 
You see why I have trouble trying to talk about this? This was the fucking like most accessible thing about Ghost in the Shell. Like that oh like OG one. Just it the brain is there, the person is there. Her fucking ghost is still intact, so guess the fuck what? Don't matter what fucking shell it's in. Yep. Until she, until she fucks computer programs, see, she's still that person. See, this is my problem, dead man. For an initial impression, this thing is so fucking convoluted and confusing, I have no idea what the hell is going on or why I should care. It's also just dumb. Yeah. Like, you, like, you can be convoluted and still be, like, intelligent about things. This just sounds stupid. Like, yeah, somebody, it, like, took, well, like, it's, a it's, beginner it's, fucking crash course from a YouTube video about humanism. Well, for, for a sci-fi anime of this type... With these kinds of themes, it is simultaneously co- convoluted and cliche. <laughs> like the stuff they expect you to understand is so dumb that it irritates you, and the stuff that they want to keep hidden from you is so confusing you have trouble being it. It's like, like, ooh, it's a mystery. What are we not telling you? I'm like, no, I don't care what you're telling me. <laughs> Please tell me the thing I'll talk about next is at least like not dog shit. <laughs> Like news coming, we have news coming up that will hurt me. I need I mean, a brief reprieve. I need I, I need to add a small addendum to last week's Vatican Miracle Examiner's thing. <laughs> but there is one good thing I can talk about eventually. Okay. All right. So yeah, fuck Project Ico as. Far as I can, oops, that's the video game. Never mind. Uh, fuck Ico, not Project Ico. That's a game from another pretentious storyteller. Anyway, yeah, that's um, a game from Team Ico. Yeah, uh, Vatican Miracle Examiner. I told Caveman about this, and um, you know how um, this should really happen more often, and it's always funny when it does. Where. You tell someone a scenario and then you let them finish it, the scenario in their own head. Where And then Caveman's response was, if I was a really dumb screenwriter, this is what would happen. <laughs> and <laughs> So I told him, at the beginning of the series I mentioned where they go to investigate the, uh, the virgin birth before that led to all the Nazi devil baby shit. Yeah. Um, the Vatican specifically told him to go to the South of America. Now, dumb phrasing aside, what do you think that means? Whew. So I have two potentials in mind, but one of them kind of branches off. Okay. So one thing I think of is, like, South America. Yeah. Where there's a lot more Japanese immigrants and they would be more familiar with it. The other thing I'm thinking of is the American South, which itself yes. has other branching off fucking variants. Because when people think like the fucking American South and Texas, they're thinking something different than the American South and Louisiana. Yes. Southwest versus Southeast. Yeah. So. But what they meant was Mexico. Ah. Uh. <laughs> uh, 
That is the worst place you could be describing when you say the South of America. Yep. Like and and caveman guessed that, and when I told him, he's like, "I was joking." <laughs> like, at, oh god, Mexico is in North America. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I think it's make me feel better. I fucking hate you sometimes. You always just fire me. I don't, no, I, I don't couldn't. I wouldn't have anybody else to talk to. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, strangely good thing, although it's dumb in a more enjoyable way. I'm not sure if you would want to watch this or not. It's a very 90s anime. Uh, those Who Hunt Elves. Uh, do they hunt them in the south of America? No. All right. So, typical fantasy world premise: um, a a elf sorceress att- attempts to summon the legendary heroes to save their world from darkness. Uh, she manages it, but something goes wrong in the uh, spell summoning process. So she manages to summon the heroes, but the spell sigils that created the spell were scattered. So, even if they save the world, they can't get back home. The heroes in question are a sexy lady who is a master of disguise. Naturally. A 16-year-old girl who has a plus 18 in firearms, of all forms. Yeah. And a big, muscular brute of a guy who drives a tank. Yeah, okay. In the first episode, um, an elf is being accosted by a bunch of shark people in a Spanish galleon. Which... Sure. Ends in a fight on the beach between the the three heroes and the shark people until they try to go back to their ship to shoot them with cannons. At which point they just use the tank. So why do they have a tank? Because they're from the modern times. They were summoned from modern times. Okay, why, why does that character have a tank? Because whoever was writing the script for this thought it would be funny because a part of the legend of the, of the heroes that would be summoned is they would destroy enemies with their canon of miracles. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So they used the tank to destroy it. Uh, the elf is um, obviously happy about this. But, um, and she asks if there's any way we can do to do to replay him, to which the big hulking guy's like, take your clothes off. And everyone automatically assumes what he means by this is he's trying to sexually assault her. And it kind of looks like that when she says no, but he's just, he just essentially just wants to see if she has part of the spell sigil on her body. Because apparently when the the spell was broken, it was broken into pieces and hidden on the bodies of elves. So are the heroes of the land are also those who hunt elves. Like I said, I'm not sure if this is your flavor of dumb or not. I kind of want to read this, but I can't fucking find it anywhere. (laughs) 
I think the the manga ran from like ninety three to two thousand two, so it might be hard to find now. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking and I can't find it. But like the other fucking Usho and Tora did that shit, and that's it's all available. Yeah, and the anime of the series uh, episodes of it are available on YouTube. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, you might have to watch something and not just read something. Ah, oh, poop. <laughs> but for a goofy throwback to when fantasy tropes were so overdrawn of this type in the 90s that they had to like to this thing where you just make fun of all the tropes by having everything involved like this is an isekai story but it's essentially just an isekai story where we never saw the other world but we just assume it's like our world since it features a guy with a Japanese tank yeah because those are just People like that are just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, fucking Mr. Hoshi down the street, he fucking takes his fucking type 74 or whatever down the street every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's fun. It's very, very dumb. Sounds like it. But I'm having fun watching it. Yeah, sounds like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, that's a... Slight palate cleanser after a whole lot of crap. <laughs> now back into it. I guess. Maybe. No, I'm done. Okay, well, Boogie Pop Phantom then. <laughs> I forgot we had to talk about this story. <laughs> yes, so. <laughs> I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> for those who missed it, back when the anime club still happened around here, We watched a series called Boogie Pop Phantom. It was a quote-unquote avant-garde anime from Studio Madhouse from, was it 2000? Uh, yes. Based off of a series of light novels. That started in 98. Yes. The series was 12 episodes. We somehow survived all 12. Dead Man, much worse for wear than I was. Like, neither of us... Came out of it unscathed, but I think he took it worse than I did. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of bled. Like, not much, but, like... Not much, but some is more than enough. It was a big old fucking nightmare of a non-linear story that had events taking place before and after events, both before and after, in previous episodes, in previous and future episodes... Uh, with a color palette so dark that you couldn't see anything, with a camera lens smudged in Vaseline, so you could also barely see anything. Yeah, smudged in Vaseline and tinted yellow when things were not, like, glowing red. Yeah, with the story itself being both a sequel and a prequel to the event that caused the story to happen. Yeah. and It was a nightmare. And you could then understandably ask the question, so what was the continuity of the story? At which point, Dead Man and I would say, fuck you. <laughs> At which point, I would just mainly start crying. Yeah. Because we tried. Yeah, we, we tried to. We, we actually tried to did fight. try. <laughs> the most we can tell is that the, f- is that the second episode takes place both before and after the first one. Yeah. And that's about and that it. Was a stretch. <laughs> but. 
apparently these books are popular enough that someone's trying again. Say, and not just studio. any someone's, some fucking big ass name someone's. Yeah, so it's the same studio. Studio Madhouse. The people involved. <laughs> so it is. Yeah, yeah so this, yes, the actual news. At the Dengeki Bunku 25th anniversary and new work unveiling stage, uh, it was revealed that there would be a brand new anime series, TV anime, for Boogie Pop and others, the light novel series, uh, to mark the 20th anniversary of the novel's debut. The series is being produced at Madhouse, directed by Shingo Natsume, who did both seasons of Space Dandy and a uh, fucking Akka, that series that you either have Cora's opinion or Birdie's opinion on it. Ah, uh, yeah, right. For some reason, when you said Akka, my first thought was Hero Academia, but no, you meant uh, like A-C-C-A. Yeah. With the series being written, with the series being uh, written by Tomohiro Suzuki, who wrote Tiger and Bunny. And character designs by Hidehiko Sawada, who was, who worked on Redline and was a key animator for One Punch Man, who, yeah, which Shingo also directed and Tomohiro also wrote. So fuck me, I guess. Yep, slated for later this year, right? Yeah. Fuck, man. And then, on top of that, it's getting two manga series. Yep. Boogie they Pop Returns really vs. Imaginator. Uh, which which will be published in monthly comic Dengeki Dayo. Uh, that one will be done by uh, Naoki Koshimizu, uh, who did a series called The Isolator, Realization of Absolute Solitude. And then the second series is Boogie Pop at Dawn, uh, to be published in Dengeki G's comic. Uh, that one's being done by Yoshihiro Kawabata, who I cannot find info on. That one, that series, claims to tell the origin story of fucking Boogie Pop. Because everyone well, wants to know. Someone's got to try at some point. Because <laughs> everyone wants to know, where did that amazing character come from? What is that amazing character? Who is that amazing character? What happens? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and that lady well, in I the mean, biker suit point, is apparently to... important. Yeah, well, I mean, at some point, Dead Man, someone has to attempt to answer all of the five basic story questions. Who, what, when, where, why? Because we couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the novels are better. I don't know. They're not, as far as I'm aware, they're not widely available outside of Japan, as far as I can tell. (laughs) Yeah, but as far as we know, it could be a linear story. At which point we just have to blame the director of the original anime for deliberately fucking with us. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Which I do anyway. 
Just like, yo, person whose name I'm looking up right now to about, who I'm about to fucking, Takashi Watanabe. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you fucking shit ass. He directed the freezing anime. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> And there's this picture of him on his page wearing like a monster ma- head mask. Yeah. Oh, and he also was the music producer for Full Metal Panic. Hey, I like the music for all of the seasons of Full Metal Panic, so that's not really a knock for me. I mean, let's see, director. Nope, uh, oh, I'm, he directed. Then he also did Rave Master. Oh, you want something that really Rave makes Master no sense? Good. Rave Master. Oh, yeah, it's the Hero Mashima series from before yeah. Fairy Tale. Um, no, I don't think so because if I recall correctly, even by how childish the standards. At least in the States, because this was available in the States on, like, network TV or cable TV where it aired. I mean the manga, not the anime. Uh, yeah. I'm, assume, uh, I'm assuming ma- anything based off Hiromashima stuff, the anime's going to be terrible based off fairy tale. Yeah. I think, well, Rave Master, I think, was worse. <laughs> because, um... Okay. So, Hiromashima's pr- problem in the first, in um, Rave Master, is that... Whereas for the most part, um, you could argue Fairy Tale has a fairly coherent fantasy setting and narrative. Rave Master was just throwing shit at the wall to see what stuck. Okay. Where you, if you look at the three main characters and their storylines, you have the son of an ancient, of a of a legendary hero who has inherited a legendary sword that he must complete in order to save the world from the greatest evil his um, name is glory yeah haru, haru glory. glory yeah uh his chick friend ellie who is you know i guess just hiramashima's type because that's the same character design for all of the main characters female love interests uh she has laser tomfas and is the reincarnation of the spirit of the universe well, that's a leap. Yeah. And then there's the third guy, Musica. I'm serious. His name is Musica. You yeah, know, I can see it. Yeah. Who is a, a silver alchemist. It's what he calls himself. It's just fucking silver magic. Who is attempting to avenge the death of his dad at the hands of a gold alchemist. Okay, who's the snowman? Uh, that snow. Oh, are you talking about the little thing that has the that looks white but has a carrot nose? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just Ellie's pet. I kind of want to read this to see what the fuck this is. Yeah, and then there's a penguin that looks like that guy from Kirby, who King Dedede. Yeah. Who becomes a wizard. Moving on. <laughs> you asked. Yeah, I know I did. 
<laughs> so, in a piece of news shocking literally no one, uh, the n- new work from Masashi Kishimoto is being serialized. He's the guy what made Naruto. So, water wet, then? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, this year, Ace Attorney is going to be getting a second season of the anime. Oh, God. Why? Because the God. game's really popular. God damn it. I watched the, an episode and... I No, sorry. I watched one-fifth of an episode of season one and gave up. Yeah, that's... I, I managed to get through the first episode. And even then, I was like, oh, God, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even of my friends. I am probably the least big fan of uh, Phoenix Wright, and even I'm like, "Oh, honey, no, no." <laughs> so, final piece of news. Uh, it was revealed recently on uh, the Manga One app that one, the writer of fucking One Punch Man and Mob Psycho One Hundred. We'll be launching a spin-off manga for Mob Psycho 100, focusing on Reagan. Sure. <laughs> yep. It'll be launching on the Manga 1 app um, in the next week, March 19th. Y'all ready for more sure. Reagan? No. <laughs> Y'all ready to never get an update to fucking One Punch Man again? And even slower updates to Mob Psycho 100. I think Mob Psycho 100 is over. Is it? Because like the way it was, I guess it looked like it could end, but I couldn't tell because the narrative at the last couple chapters just kept going off in weird directions. Yeah, yeah, it's done. Know. They haven't finished uh, translating it over here yet, but I, yeah. I'm... Okay, all right. Yeah, it finished okay. serialization. Yeah, December 22nd last year. Okay, alright, so that makes me feel a little better. I'm not as far behind as I thought. Um, so is, is One Punch Man just going to become like one's, like, that one project everyone loves him for, but that he never wants to go back to? I, I genuinely don't know. Like, sincerely. Like, when, when the fuck was the last time that the webcomic updated? I have not seen a webcomic update to One Punch Man in several months. According to Reddit, it's been a year. So I was right. Several, several months. Yeah, the last update uh, was posted on January 2017. What the shit? That is ridiculous. Oh, but hey, good news. One said during a live stream, or maybe this is Murata, I don't know, the Reddit didn't specify. The next chapter will be coming out on the 22nd. Yeah. I God God damn it. Get back to the thing we love, one, please. We finish we the breaker, you. god damn it. 
We will let you do whatever you want as long as you just finish what you started. <laughs> yeah, you can make as many fucking spinoffs about, hey, you want to make a spinoff about Dimple? Go fucking nuts. Finish your goddamn story, dude. Who is Blast? I want I want somebody to fucking like acknowledge Saitama. I want like resolution. Yeah, the Murata manga the Murata manga just got to the point that Dead Man told me about years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. And you know I'm right. Yeah. Fuck, they They just explained how Saitama's powers work. Yeah. Murata just recently started to get into the actual fucking story before Oh god. I'm just thinking now. In the entire time we've been in the fucking filler arc in the Murata yeah. version. <laughs> One has released, like, 19 updates of three chapters. Yep. Good God. That's going to do it for this week. (laughs) Banger note to go out on. (laughs) Thank you all for joining us. (laughs) We'll be back in two weeks' time, maybe... With an episode of the DeathStoreProds.com anime and manga podcast. In between now and then, though, there will not be a new chapter of One Punch Man. No. Dead Man has a better religious update schedule than one. Till then, I'm dead. And I'm birdie. Christ. Boogie Pop Phantom. <laughs>